Hello and welcome back to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight once again is Josh Cottrell. Josh, how are you? Doing good. Um, you know, we're into the next year um, and with, what, less than a week away before the start of preseason for LFC, um, it's, it's hard not to be excited at this point. Yeah, my kids are excited. I'm excited. Even my wife the other day asked me, hey, when, when are they going to start playing again? Uh, I don't know if she just wants me to like sit down on the couch and not bug her or like not be leaving the house for any other reason uh, or, or what she's trying to get at. But um, we are definitely all excited for things to get to get started up in my house. Um, tonight, we have a, a quite a few things to go over since I, I honestly can't remember. I guess the last episode was our Star Wars episode. Yeah, so it's like a week before that just before Christmas. Yeah, December 18th or something like that so it is good to be back josh and i were joking about it before we started uh recording here that we have six or seven different conversations between uh twitter and text message and group uh group chats and now with uh the new website the bank note we have a slack channel there so we have all these uh all these different channels and we've been in contact but we haven't been here on the show lately and it's good to be back yeah. So, like, Josh, why don't you you want to take it away real quick and just get right into the banknote? Yeah. So, um, about towards the end of last year, um, we came into a conversation with one of our good friends, Trevor Rayleigh, about potentially just doing, continuing to do a few things differently as it pertains to, um, you know, what we've already done with the podcast and and how we can continue to grow it. And one of the things that we decided to do was to start a website. Um, I'm sure some of you um, who are listening right now have seen um, a few things pop up here and there um, over at thebanknote.com. And that will, what it looks like is going to be essentially going to be a little bit of an extension of what we're already doing, um, where you can get a little bit more in-depth analysis. So on top of what, you know, Kirk and I will talk about, you'll get to see, you know, some of the... um, you know, in, in written form, in photo form, and then, you know, in, in video form, form as well as we head into the season um, in terms of some of the breakdowns that we do, some of the um, the tactical analysis, and, you know, some of the, and then again, on top of that, some of the other articles that we're going to look at are doing, I'm going to be bringing over my column from Angels on Parade over to the bank note going over injury analysis. So, um you know, making sure that people understand what what it really means when people when different player when uh, players are suffering from different injuries, how long they'll be out for that type of thing. So you'll get to see that kind of content there, um, as well as some culture pieces. So we have some great writers um, on board. Um, they're going to be talking about things in culture, food, fashion, style, all these different things, and kind of just trying to encompass everything that the club has become and what it's about in terms of you know just representing the the city of los angeles yeah i mean it's a great description there i think what one of the things i'm most excited about is the fact that we got so many different people with different areas of expertise that we can kind of give people their own lanes to create on their own and uh put out like legitimately good content that people can can look to for uh entertainment or soccer education or whatever it is. Um, and by that same note, um, if you are somebody who feel that you have a, 
an area of expertise that we haven't hit yet with our staff, please reach out to us or Trevor. Um, we'd, we'd love to have more people on board and helping to contribute um, in, in the different lanes that we don't have covered yet. So Josh, as he said, he's going to be covering injury, uh, injury reports and, and in-depth analysis. I know a lot of people on Twitter are very, uh, are very fond of those reports that you give out kind of instantaneously, Josh. For myself, I'm going to be working more on player development, film review, uh, in-depth tactics. That's kind of more of my wheelhouse. Um, and then we have writers covering uh, game day. We'll have people in the stadium every week uh, to make sure that everything's getting covered properly. Josh, did we miss anything there? No, I think that's it. And I'm ex- we're excited to kind of share everything with everyone. Um, go ahead and check it out right now. We have an early preview up. That's going to be at www.thebanknotewithac.com. And so, yeah, check it out. Um, and, you know, that way. And it looks like we're heading for our full launch this coming Friday, which will be the 24th, 24th, which is the day before the uh, Peñarol game. Yeah, so I think the plan is to put out a couple articles before then to kind of continue the soft launch uh, and site preview and then the launch with, I don't know, five or six articles on Friday for the official launch date and in preparation for Peñarol. So, all right, Josh. A lot of offseason moves made. Um, Some big names coming and some big names, I guess you could say, going. You want to kind of break us down one by one on on what's happened in the past month or so? Yeah. So last time we talked, we had, they had just gone through the, um, not the expansion. Well, yes, the expansion draft as well as the um, re-entry draft. And so... You know, we and so where we last left off was when you know um, our only win has moved on to Miami, and since then there's been a couple new, more moves that have headed into this next year. Um, a couple of the big name outgoings are going to be uh, Stephen Bateshore, um, who is no longer with the team, as well as Tyler Miller, who was um, traded, I believe, on Friday uh, for um, allocation money. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was already out of contract, so he wasn't directly traded, but his rights were moved over to uh, Minnesota because an MLS MLSism. Is, yeah, it's an MLS thing. You know, like I said, you only try and understand it if you really want to, but it, just know that there's no such thing as real free agency until you're 100 years old in Major League Soccer. And it doesn't so, matter anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that that were the, those are kind of the two big names that have left the team in, in the recent month. Um, and then we have a couple that are inbound. Um, the two that have already signed with the team are that of Jose Sanfuentes, a midfielder probably fits in that he can play either the eight or six. Um, you know, I believe he's more of a, a box to box midfielder if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then you have Francisco Janela who has functioned as a six, you know, sort of that center of defensive midfielder. Um, but again, more, more as a, a passer rather than like a, a strict ball, ball, dumb, uh, ball winning type of, you know, N'Golo Conte type of uh, defensive midfielder. So a little bit different style, um, you know, probably closer to us to I'm assuming, right, Kirk? 
Um, I think I think Atuesta is better defensively than he is. I, we can go ahead and jump right into this. Um, tomorrow morning, I'll have a my film review. Uh, it's about a thousand words on Francisco Janela. I watched probably I don't know five or six hours of of the available film on the internet that I could find, um, and kind of broke down individual aspects of his game. I I overall am impressed with his his technical ability. He's a very good passer. Always receives the ball properly. Um, is able to also with his first touch buy more space and time. Uh, to find to pick out a good pass, very good at playing line breaking passes. So think about those passes that you've seen from Atuesta to, to Vela that are just kind of not necessarily route one football, but um, you know through a midfield and in between the center backs. So Vela is just able to pick it up on his left foot and and shoot. Um, a lot of passes like that coming from Janela. Now he's coming from uh, the Montevideo Wanderers in the Uruguayan Primera Division, and when he's with his club, he's always playing as a six and looks more like a, more like a regista. And it's, it's tough to tell just from, you know, three or four games, how much he's actually tasked with defending. Um, but he's not the greatest one-on-one defender. He's good at cutting out passing lanes. So for that, a lot of times people would typically slot them in as a number eight where they're cutting through passes in the midfield. Uh, but, I think because of his passing ability and his ability to break lines, teams probably like to put him back at the six uh, and be able to play make from deep as soon as he picks up the ball off the center backs when in possession. What I think is interesting is the difference in his game when he plays with Uruguay, who's kind of famous for their 4-4-2 at all levels. Um, and he played more as an eight involved in the press, getting a little more forward with the uh, and involved in the offense. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Bob ends up using him, but I do think he's more of a passing number six, kind of like you said, not the, not the defensive midfield destroyer, like in Kante. more, um, not putting him on this level, but more the, the Pirlo, uh, style, I guess you could say the Regista. So look for that article tomorrow morning on the bank note and if you have any other questions or anything that you see from the film that's that's different from how I see it, please let me know on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I think if you think about the way that Bob's midfield kind of operates, it would make sense that they would that they're going to try and find midfielders that have qualities of both sixes and eight, right? We don't in the four thirty three that they've played for the majority of you know what the time you know basically since like july of the first season they made the shift to the 433 and haven't looked back um and so uh, i think that was when vela got back from the world cup um basically after that they shifted from a 4231 to a 433 almost almost um strictly um and and since then you know again in that formation you don't really play with with a with a true attacking midfielder Right, you kind of have these these free eights, as they I think they they like to refer to them as. That both usually you'll have one that gets forward and one that sits a little bit, and they kind of will take turns and so on and so forth, depending on the way that the field is 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 shifted. And so guys that can move forward as well as Latif moves forward, you'll see Mark Anthony K kind of slide in behind and play a little bit deeper. But sometimes you see 
Atuesta rove out to that right hand side, and then you know he's playing more of that eight on the right, off the right. And so I think with the rotation that often occurs through the midfield, um, you know I think those are those are the types of midfielders you're likely going to see the team kind of move after as guys that are flexible that can both you know do th- that have qualities defensively, but also can all make those those passes. Right, at least between two of the three midfielders, will probably have that ability to play both. You know, they can do multiple things. You know, in terms of um, having that offensive offensive ability, but also you know can cut out a pass if if need be. You know, and then maybe that third midfielder being like in that Latif blessing role is more of your destroyer, and and you know, so again, it's a little bit more inverted than your traditional, you know, four three three that you see from Liverpool or from Manchester City, but. Uh, you know the roles are very similar in how how things are done. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably gives us an idea of the direction that the front office is looking when when searching for that next guy. You know, and again, as the team move forward and different players move left and right, and the age at which they've been buying players, you know, means that they're gonna you'll probably see players move quite often. Um, you know, within the system. And so, um, you know, at least the guys that they've been targeting right now that are guys that are, that do have a European future. And so if, they, if they're able to continue down this road, look for that same profile for as long as, you know, as long as the, the current front office is, is, is running things. Is again, guys that are, are, are tactically flexible, you know, but then also have those raw skills to be able to develop and to fit the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and one of the other things that kind of makes it tough to predict is the fact that you have all three of your starting midfielders returning. So it's tough to, and I feel like it is a bit of a unique midfield. We've talked plenty about how Latif is that inverted destroyer or the anti 10. Um, and I feel like that using a, a player like that gives you so many different options and, and ways to go when it comes to who is your six and who is your eight and how are they actually playing together um what are you doing when you have the ball what are you doing when you don't have the ball it opens up so many opportunities to be a little more creative so it is tough to say where everybody's going to slot in and whether or not they're going to play immediately um who knows i mean latif blessing could surprise us all and turn out to have worked on becoming a, a better playmaker and now he's not just running around making tackles he's he's racking up you know six seven eight nine ten assists as well in in the next season um there's really there's really no telling what could have happened in the off season especially with a guy like him who again to start off the last season we all thought he was going to be uh you know second third or fourth choice winger on the right wing and he turned out to be the ultimately utility man, uh, starting midfielder, and the emergency right back as well. So, who knows? Um, Josh, who else is coming into the uh, to the squad this year? Um, we mentioned we mentioned some Fuentes, um, and you know I think we'll we'll talk we'll probably talk a little about him more, you know, in the coming episodes, and then look out for another breakdown from Kirk um, on the website as well, um, and that should be coming around the launch date. Um, but beyond that, it looks like in camp we've had um, Bradley Bright Phillips, which is the the probably the biggest name that we've seen move into the team. You know, to be fair, mm-hmm. um, 
of all the names that are that we've that have been linked with the team, this is the biggest name, you know, at least within MLS circles that you could probably come as he is probably one of the best strikers in the history of the league. You know, I think yeah. that I'm not sure yeah. that's an arguable at this point, given what he's done and, and you know, and obviously he's had a down he had a down year this past year, um, but it looks to have been working to get into fitness. And while the trans, you know, while his signing hasn't been announced yet, it seems like we're, um, you know, he should everything work out. He seems like he be he should be joining the team, um, you know, this season, which could be huge because again, just having his experience and having um, a guy like that, especially in the big moments, provides you obviously depth up front, but a guy who just knows how to score big goals at, at, at big times. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about if Dio can be the guy to give you 30 to 35 fantastic minutes off the bench um, on a consistent basis. If I feel the same way, if BWP is a guy who comes in and gives you 15 to 20 good minutes, whenever you need it, an additional offensive spark, then that is a fantastic place to be uh, from a roster perspective. Uh, that's a, I mean, obviously we have a lot of depth at forward. We have three DPs there. Uh, there are multiple guys returning. Well, I assume they're returning. Who knows if they're going to be signed in new contracts or not. The, think of the the not-so brothers, Perez. Um, and who was the kid we signed out of? Was it a college team? Mukowski? I can't remember his name now. Dan, yes. he was he was playing yeah. USL, but I think he's in the San Jose. Okay. He was in the San Jose system. Ah, got it, got it. So I mean, there's another striker there, um, and those guys will probably never see the field if this roster stays even somewhat healthy and and together throughout the year. Um, so it's a it's a very deep position. Uh, that looks to be getting even deeper with the addition of Bradley Wright Phillips. It seems like there's a lot of buzz on Twitter, at least, about he's going to be signed. Um, I can't confirm or deny because I have no sources because I live in Arizona. So, yeah, there you I mean, go. I, you know, I think a lot of it will ultimately come down to making sure the price is right. You know, with most of these, yeah, like the most veteran yeah. signings, whether the price is right, then obviously on his health, especially after this last year. But you know you know, here's to hoping that everything works out. Um, you know, but beyond that one, one confirmed signing, and I think this is probably what you're actually alluding to, was our new goalkeeper in Kenneth mm-hmm. Vermeer, who was, um, I think his his first day was today um, with the team. And so he comes f- to us from Feyenoord, I believe, in the Eredivisie, but also um, has had stints. I think, believe he started at Ajax earlier in his career. But has he also played. Was for with the, Ajax. I think he was a third choice keeper there, but he did make a handful of starts. Yeah, so it looks and I like think that was across competitions that he made those starts. Yeah, from 2005 to 2014, has 103 appearances for Ajax, and then 83 appearances at Feyenoord, most recently. But then is also again has been capped with the Dutch national team, um, mostly as their their reserve keeper. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's an older guy, 34 years old. Um, you know, but if guys like Nick Romando and Tim Howard um, and Luis Robus have told us anything that, you know, again, and for that matter, Gigi Buffon um, at there the highest is. levels, um, you know, 
the ages of some over 30 is like the perf seems to be like that perfect age for keepers right where you're just you you have enough experience in terms of just being a field general and understanding where to position guys having that feel for the game um you know and, and some of those things yeah maybe you lose a little bit of the ability to get from side to side but should your defense be stacked you should you know if your defense is well and you're positioning people the right way you shouldn't have to you know you shouldn't have to rely on things correctly leading up to that point so it's interesting that you mentioned goalkeepers being able to play a little bit longer i was just listening to a podcast the other day i don't remember which one it was about and they kind of talked about how players primes are shifting to the left for kind of like field players so midfielders you know their primes are more 25 26 where they used to be like 27 28 ish uh but they also made sure to mention that it's almost irrelevant for goalkeepers who frequently play into their 30s um or i think is buffon now is he 40 now yeah yeah i think Romando was in his 40s when he stopped so Brad Guzan's another guy that's still playing in MLS uh, and making Atlanta fans plenty happy. So his age doesn't concern me at all. Um, I think he will probably be just fine. Again, me and Josh are uh, maybe a little too deferential when it comes to evaluating goalkeepers because I feel like we know nothing, but uh, we promise not to lie to you about things that we have no idea about. So. Yeah, and should we get any other information from our goalkeeping expert, Laura Mills, we will be f- the first to let you guys know. Yes, also a banknote contributor or editor, I should say. Uh, anybody else, Josh? I-, I think that's everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, at least of the currently, at least the bigger name signings and the ones that were, that are probably worth mentioning for the time being. Obviously, time will tell, and there's probably going to be a you know, maybe one to two more moves made before the start of the season. Um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, maybe maybe uh, the beginning of the year and, and how things go during CCL will necessitate a few a few more moves. Um, but, but again, for the time being, those are probably the bigger ones to discuss. Um, again, so you had Sinfuentes, um, Janela, and Vermeer are the three bigger signings of, of the offseason thus far. Um, you know, and again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and go more in depth as, as the as the weeks go on here um, regarding those other guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we will be sure to cover them when and if they are signed or when and if the team announces somebody else. Um, I will say, let's see, going back a couple transfer windows, we got... Diego Palacios kind of, I think on the last day of the transfer window in the summer, if I remember correctly, They've it, done it some... might've even been announced after the transfer window had, had already closed. Now yeah, that I think we've about done, it. we've definitely done some work at the deadline because Lee Wynn was another one that came in at the last yeah, minute. Yeah. Um, Dio was cl- pretty close to the deadline, but Lee was the one I think that was brought in right at the end there. And then, um, what's it called? And then the uh, Palacios one was, again, from everything I heard, was uh, just down to the last second to make sure everything was yeah. done was done correctly. So, And if I remember correctly, I saw it first from, I think, Kevin Baxter 
and I swear it was the day or two after the transfer window closed. And I thought to myself, what, what has happened here? Like, this is, this is not possible because it's over. But and it turned out that the club had filed all the paperwork and we're still, I don't know. I think there's, there may be some kind of grace period on arranging some of the other things or the club didn't want to announce it because of weird things with the visas, who knows, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one more thing that happens before the end, but we may end up going into the season with uh, with this as our roster. Yeah, so, I mean, it seems it seems to be at least for the th- I mean, at least for people that are going to compete that you're going to hear about competing in CCL at least for the for this opening round. This is the um, you know if you go over to the Bangno Twitter, we posted a an estimated lineup, and it seems like that from everything that we've heard that that's going to likely be fairly close to the opening day roster, um, you know, and, and death chart for that matter. And obviously you're going to see some tweaks here and there, but it looks like Tristan Blackman will slot in on the right um, with, with Segura and um, Zimmerman coming back in the middle, the left-hand side. again, that kind of just depends on how things play out in camp because obviously Bob is very much about having everyone earn their spot. So we'll see if, um, Palacios is ever is able to do what it takes to unseat, you know, the incomparable Jordan Harvey. Um, the middle of the park is Atuesta, Blessing, and Mark Anthony K. And then obviously up front, you're going to have um, Vela, Rossi, and Rodriguez. And then Dio probably figuring into the into that rotation some way or another. Um, you know how they decide to do that based on the games, different things like that. Will, you know remains to be seen. But again, that's likely what you're looking at heading into heading into the first games of the season. Yeah, and just to set everybody everybody's minds at ease, uh, last year was the best season, the best regular season, I should say, that any MLS team has ever had. They ran through the league, they broke every record you could imagine, um, and they did it. Pretty much with every with all the pieces that they have returning right now, uh, with a little bit of added depth here and there, a little less depth at right back um, with Betashore gone. But I think Tristan, uh, if he had had more time in that role, would have been the bona fide starter anyway. Uh, and with an entire offseason to progress, it's hard to imagine that LAFC is really any worse off for having Tristan Blackman as opposed to Stephen Betashore this year. Um, so the sky is not falling to, despite what anybody might tell you. Is there room for more depth here on this roster? Sure. But as always, it's a work in progress. And LAFC have proven that they're not going to just throw money at problems uh, in you know just a desperate attempt to try and fix their roster woes. I think we've all seen what, what that gets you in MLS. Sometimes it gets you uh, into Twitter fights with Rebecca Vardy, and then your captain is sold back to England and is about to be relegated into the third division of English football. So you just you never know. You never know what happens when you make desperate moves in MLS. So all that being said, Josh, what do you think we have to look forward to? What do you think LAFC should be focused on this season? Let's just go ahead and get a bit of a, a season preview from you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be competing in 
what three four competitions if you separate MLS Cup from um the regular season which i think mm-hmm. to a certain degree we all kind of do as um you know we all do so you know considering you have the US Open Cup MLS Cup um the CCL as well as um what am i forgetting the regular season mm-hmm. yeah so those four competitions you know obviously i think the regular season having won the supporter shield last year and the grind that it can be um you know, obviously, you're you're probably not going to be pushing for the points record in this. You know, to break another points record in those that, in the same way that you did last year, or if it's not, you know, or or you're at least not going to be pressing in the same manner um, for the you know for the course of the season. I think there has to be an adjustment made in terms of knowing knowing when to press, like your life depends on it, and when to back off. You know, and I think this is. Nothing has ever been, you know, it. The better, the probably the best description of how that looks like in the long run, is Liverpool's transformation. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I've been telling you, I mean, they would be insufferable and intolerable when it comes to talking about Liverpool as of right now, given the way that they're playing. Um, they went, they were a team that again was, you know, could always score goals but gave up a lot. So that what probably comparatively to LAFC's first season. Right, you can mm-hmm. score whenever you want to, but you're also going to, you know, give up goals when it really mattered and in the worst times. Then you go into the second season where you know the defense has improved dramatically, and the offense is scoring in record pace. But you don't win it when it matters, because again, maybe you're burned out a little bit. Those types of things. Um, as we head into this next season, you know, obviously the priority is MLS Cup and and Champions League, but. As you approach these different things, it really becomes a situation where you look at game by game and be able to win different games in different ways, right? And I think for a large part of last season, LEFC won games on set records by just blitzing people, right? Through the first half of the season, they were doing things that no one else had seen in the way that they were doing it. You know, it was high intensity, high press, scoring a ton of, you know, scoring goals left and right, all those different types of things. But you can see the fatigue start to set in as the year goes on. So the thing that, from goal-wise, that I want to see the team do is be able to manage those different things and manage games um, in just a better way, right? Because I think that allows you to compete across all the competitions, right? It it puts you in contention in Open Cup. It puts you in contention, um, you know, in MLS Cup when the time comes, um, that you don't have to win every game 5-4 or 5-3. you know, because there's games that you want to just be able to win one nothing and just kill it off. Um, you know, and the same thing goes for, for Champions League when you start playing these home and away ties, um, you know, where away goals matter and those types of things. You have to know how to manage the game a little bit better than the team did this past year. And so, though, to me, that that is the, the number one thing that I, I want to see from this team, knowing that the, the order of, of importance for things likely goes is likely MLS Cup number one, Champions League number two, um, Open Cup and and the Supporter Shield again probably somewhere tied you know in three four, maybe one you know Open Cup slightly ahead but me, again it kind of just depends on how LAFC approaches the this next year. Yeah, I think I see it almost exactly as you do, um, as is often the case, despite us not talking specifically about this thing. Um, 
if it's me, when I look at what's happened in the past with teams that have made deep runs in CCL, especially when you talk about Toronto, what was that two years ago now in 2018, I guess it would have been, who in 2017 were the best that you know they they won a domestic treble they went on to the to the final of uh champions league and lost on penalties and then just had this atrocious regular season in mls uh where everybody was injured all the time they lost everything uh they fell way behind in the point standings because of uh their rotated squads all the time so if you think that you are just going to go compete against all competitions uh, in, in every competition, then I think it's a bit naive. Still, I wouldn't put it past Bob, <laughs> given the way that he is you know, very hard-nosed about these things. I think he's the kind of guy who doesn't see a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of purpose in being on a soccer field if you're not going to compete in the first place. But I think that's where he and I probably have a little bit of a philosophical difference, and that's okay because I'm not paid any money to coach a team. Um, so more power to him. But if it's me, I'm not punting the regular season because obviously you have to make it into the playoffs. You want a good seed so you can be you can play more home games um, in the in the MLS Cup. But given the fact that you are starting the season off playing home and away ties, hopefully in you know deep into CCL, you have the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I think also one thing that's a little bit a little bit underrated is we have all these South American U23s who are also going to be away for Olympic qualifying. I think there's a Copa America this uh, this summer as well. So you now have, um, you know, at least Brian Rodriguez is going to be gone, and potentially others if they get called to the full national teams and, and play in Copa America. So you ha- also have all these international competitions that are going on during the summer um so it's going to be very hard to keep the team together and be playing you know like i think last year we played six games in june and six games in august that's a lot you know that's 12 games where there could potentially be uh international competitions taking your your best players away from you um and lafc is going to have to be ready for that um and then obviously MLS Cup because that's what you get the star on your chest for, right? And I think with the uh, earlier than appropriate exit this past season, the LAFC is going to come back even more determined and more focused on that singular goal, despite how slippery it, it can be. So for me, it's a, it's kind of the same. You got to go out and you got to uh, compete for the permanent silverware. And if the supporter shield suffers as a result, then so be it yeah i mean i mean and at the same time like i don't expect the you know i think the way that they've gone about things and how they've moved pieces this past year will likely result i mean you shouldn't see too much of a drop off in form given you have you know should everyone stay healthy and the development take place as planned right the goal right now is to basically have five guys who can play three midfield positions right Mm -hmm. um who are all of top quality. And then same thing goes for your forward line, right? You know, especially if, you know, you a move like BWP, um, the move for BWP goes through, right? Then you're looking at, you know, 
two, you know, on top of Vela, your DPs, Diomande and BWP who can slot in there and score goals and be consistent and those types of things. And so it seems like, you know, they're they're cognizant of what, you know, and again, this is I think the thing that you've appreciated, we all appreciated from from the way that the front office has gone about things is that there's a distinct understanding of, you know, and system at play here as opposed to, you know, there's, there's, they're spending wisely and then they're just throwing money at a problem and hoping that something sticks. And it seems like the, the approach that they've taken so far is, you know, is to, you know, that they're, they're not afraid to go out and spend, but they're going to spend on, on, they're going to spend it on, on pieces that make sense that fit, um, you know, that fit the, 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 the identity of the team and what the team, you know, it looks like they're going, you know, how they want to play and those types of things moving forward. And so I think if you look at the construction of the team and what that means, um, you know, it seems like that's the direction that they're definitely headed, which bodes well for when you're competing, you know, in multiple competitions in the way that LFC is, you know, and I think, um, you know, Bob having had experience in, in the Premier League and some of these things when you're every year you're playing in three competitions, um, you know, while things didn't work out for him in the same way, I think it's lessons learned in how to prepare, um, you know, to do, you know, to manage the team uh, when, when these situations do occur, you know, and how to rotate things and so on and so forth. And obviously I think the big, one of the bigger frustrations is still the major league soccer schedule period and how they handle the summer, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but you know, it's, it's the realities of the league and things that we have to ultimately, you ultimately have to just deal with. And so, mm-hmm. you know, rather than complain about it, it's like, okay, how do you manage it, you know, moving forward and make sure you have the right pieces in place so that should you have any, anyone, you know, anyone missing, right. It's, it's that next man up mentality. And then, you know, you hope that the guys that you brought in step up and make a difference. Yep. All right. Anything else for a season preview or should we get into some questions here? No, let's get into the questions that we have. I know there weren't, there were just a few. Um, yeah. And so the first one that we have is from the bank one, two, one, um, asking whether the, um, the training since we're starting training, uh, you know, a bit earlier than most teams with CCL around the corner, um, can that time be spent teaching Rodriguez to play center, basically center forward? Um, given that, you know, even though the Christian Ramirez didn't work out, it seemed that Vela and Rossi were most effective when they were playing on the wings, and another player playing was playing through the middle. Yeah, there's also that. So he's got a two part question here. He also asked, is uh, is the best guess for the front line looking like Rossi, B-Rod, and Vela with Dio as a super sub? If so, what is the most effective alignment given none are natural center forwards? So it's all kind of uh, wrapped around, you know, where are these, where are all these forwards going to slot in and where are they most effective? Uh, for me, I do think it's Rossi, Vela, and then Brian Rodriguez on the right wing. And I think that's, given the trio that we have, I think that's where they're going to be most effective. I know some people weren't too fond of Vela as the number nine last year. Um, And I do agree that with Christian Ramirez, that's when the offense was flying. 
its highest, despite Christian Ramirez's uh, failed attempts to find the back of the net from very, very close range. Um, I think, again, I keep going back to this point, but I have to imagine that with an offseason to train in these positions uh, and to grow together, remember that Brian Rodriguez came in and then Vela got injured, and then they all came back together for a month and a half or so and tried to get all this up and running again. Um, I think with the, the ability to train, uh, that that front three is going to be more than okay come uh, when you know the first game start. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're looking at now, they played, what, the back half of the season with Vela as the as the center forward, um, you know, and obviously it, it, it wasn't without its, without its um, struggles in terms of getting it all to kind of work in how they wanted to, but, you know, the team was also still winning games and still doing it, you know, and I think now that you've had that time to settle in, you know, you would hope that now they're, they're going to be ultimately be comfortable with that front three and how, how they should all play together. Cause you know, again, you think, Rodriguez didn't, you know, this is going to be the first offseason that Rodriguez has actually had with the team since coming, since getting there. So, you know, obviously I think it helps to have had, you know, they're going to have two months together basically before their first game to really just figure out, you know, to build on the chemistry that they've already started with so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is also hard to say. I think one thing that's that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to um, how these attacks shape up. There is a lot of rehearsal um, with teams at this level on exactly how to move, where the ball goes, and then where everybody moves accordingly. Um, now, I, I, I'm not at their training sessions. I don't see this. But I would imagine there's going to be a lot of offensive choreography on how to move these three pieces around to create all sorts of problems for opposing defenses. And to be honest, I'm I'm thrilled to see it again uh, this season. All right, Josh, you ready for the next one? Let's do it. At Bombasso de Rossi. It's a fantastic handle, by the way. Do you know something about the game against Penrol? Is it going to be live on TV? I do not. I don't think it's going to be televised. Do you know, Josh? I'm not sure, and if it is, it's probably going to be on YouTube TV. Um, you know, I would. It's like is the likely destination should it be, should it be televised? But I am not sure. I haven't. I don't. I haven't heard anything, any news regarding that yet. If any of you know, please tweet at us, <laughs> and uh, to everybody else, so we can get it around and so everybody can watch this match. Um, the next one is from Matt Chrissy Poo. And he asks Sam Silvera, Sam Silvera, excuse me, and Bradley Wright Phillips thoughts on them potentially joining us. Josh, I'll kick that one over to you. Yeah, I mean, we talked about BWP earlier um, in terms of you know again he, he just provides he's just a guy who just knows how to score goals in this league, right? He's a he's a uh, off the probably more, an off the shoulder number nine. You know, he's what five eight ish or so. Um, so he's not going to be posting anyone up, but again, he's a guy that scores goals because he just he's in he's going to put himself in the best position to score almost at all times. And so, given the given the types of passers that he should have around him when he would come to the game, and he's a guy that you know for fifteen to twenty minutes at a time could provide to be a valuable 
guy coming off the bench. And again, you can't discount the type of leadership that he brings to the table, especially with a guy like Bateshore leaving the team, right? And I think that's something that was understated about his time at the club in terms of, you know, and just just his effect on the locker room. And I think he, you know, was looked at as one of the team leaders. And so, you know, again, with him gone, they're going to need some, you know, people to be able to step up into some of those roles and be able to, you know, just provide some leadership to the team. Um, you know, he's a guy that could provide some of those things as well. Um, so Vera is a um, interesting prospect coming out of the A-League in Australia. Um, and he's a guy that can play across the, you know, the, he plays on both wings, left or right. Uh, but I think mainly on the left. And then as well, he can play his, through the middle as an attacking midfielder as well. Um, given that there's not a ton of backup on that left-hand side behind Diego Rossi, could potentially provide, um, you know, some depth there. Again, I don't know too much about him. I'm going to have to go back and take a look at how he's playing. Maybe we can do a quick profile on him as well in terms of, you know, where he would be coming from, you know. But, you know, I, I'm, I'd be more than excited to have another guy from the South Pacific on, you know, on the team. So, Right, right. Uh, I, I think he is an interesting signing because you don't see very many signings uh, from Australia, let alone in MLS. Um, given the fact that we haven't really had anybody from there before and the way this almost seems like he's been plucked, I, I do wonder if they have a specific role in mind for him. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, if he sticks with the team, what that ends up being. Um, but sometimes that's all we can do is just wait and see. Um, Josh, anything else that we need to get to tonight before we wrap it up here? Um, I think that's pretty much it for tonight. Obviously, you know, go ahead and check out the bank note as we've been talking about. Um, and like I said, look out for the Francisco, Kirk's Francisco Janela article um, that should accompany what we talked about on the pod a little bit today. You know, there's some video on there to help you get an idea of this player. And then, like I said, look out for more content like that moving forward. All right. Let us know what you think about the show or about the articles. What do you want to hear about? Uh, if we didn't get to your question or you didn't get it in time, send it to us and we'll, we'll be free to, you know, we're always happy to talk to people on Twitter about LAFC and soccer in general. So with that being said, Josh, where can they find you on Twitter? LAFC Josh and on the banknote.com. All right. And I am at Kirk Kinsey. Again, look for the article uh, tomorrow morning and we will talk to you all later. Bye.